Welcome to another episode of the Pod podcast. Today I'm interviewing my father, Bob Tomlinson. So would you describe you as a house designing renegade? House designing renegade, I like that. Yes, well that's what I do. I design houses and places to live. So I'm not really an architect, I'm not really an urbanist. I'm just a person who designs good places to live. And what's your relationship with improvisation? I can play one or two musical instruments, but I very rarely improvise. I keep on trying to play the same old tunes competently. So you say there's a process of trial and error in what you do. What I do is I look at what exists and find out what works and then learn from that to do new places. But there is a trial and error element of that. But as you get used to doing more and more of it, you make less errors and have less trial, hopefully. All right. So I'm going to play a piece of music. Okay. And I want you to tell me what that makes you think of, something that comes into your mind. Uh, okay. Give me anything. Yeah. All right. started out with what seemed to be like walking or steps as though walking through a forest or wooded area somewhere that was enclosed who then turned into a dancing element to it and that dancing went round and round and more people became involved with it until maybe one individual became more active separated from the others anyway, and was spotlit. Then it all quietened down and we all went to bed happily. <laughs> all of us? All... Oh yes, it was one of those sorts of festivals. <laughs> okay. Did you find this, there was a transition point then? Anyway, I thought there were several transition points. One was where it went from singular to plural, and then when it went from, say, plural to many, and then one where it then began to disperse again mm. until it sort of ended by uh, either fizzling out or going to sleep, as I said. Aha, uh -huh, I see. Oh, nice. That's yeah, quite a good image of everyone coming together in this dance. A clear forest. Was it like a ceremony or did it feel like more for fun? There was an element of ceremonialness. Is that a word? No, but no, it is now. There's right, <laughs> an element of ceremony about it because there was quite a distinct rhythm and chord mm. process, which was a bit march-like, but overall not. Okay, I see. There was a marching quality to what I played, which was yes, gave a sense of ceremony. Okay, great. I'll let you tell me a story. 
Okay. And then I'm going to play a piece of music to the story. I'll do my best. Okay. So here goes. So this is the story of a time with my grandmother, who must have been about 85. We ended up in a car given to us by the CIA, visiting various parts of North America. And one of these places was New Orleans. And I'd arranged to stay in New Orleans with a woman who was roughly my grandmother's age, because I thought it would be good for the two of them to get on. And she lived in part of New Orleans, a suburb made up of grain barges, which had been floated down the Mississippi full of grain. The grain was loaded onto the ships, but the barges were left behind. And so they were turned upside down and made into houses. And she had one of these. So when we arrived, she was busy cleaning the front doorstep. And we introduced ourselves. And she apologized for doing that. She said she was cleaning the blood off the doorstep because someone had been shot there the night before. So, okay, fair enough, <laughs> but we're here now. And we went inside and had a nice dinner. And then she said uh, it was time to go to bed. And she had a room for my grandmother and she had her own room. But then I had to sleep on the couch downstairs. So I was there asleep at about four o'clock in the morning. And she came downstairs and she shakes me and she says, Bob, I want you to come and help me pick mushrooms. And she had two big plastic bags with her. And I thought, mm, okay, so get up. And then we went out of her house into the estate. And we started picking these sort of large ear-shaped mushrooms off people's lawns because it had rained. And apparently these were good things to eat. And so we were there doing this and she was busy putting mushrooms in the bag. Because it was a grid system, I could see down the road, across the end of the road, went this pickup truck with people in the back with rifles. And I thought, oh my goodness, it was, you could hear it go, because it was one of those big, V8s. And I could see it go down one end of the block, and then we were still picking mushrooms, and you could see it come round. So I saw it go across the end of the street with then you went, and they came back. At that point, I thought whether I was going to run or just stand there and wait to be shot and everything else. And so I was a bit afraid. And they just came up and says, Hi, Martha, are you picking mushrooms again? Yeah. That's my little story. We actually had mushrooms for breakfast and survived. But at one point, I didn't think I was going to. But it all turned out all right. What did you think these guys were? They were vigilantes. They were the neighborhood watch. Oh, see. Yeah, they were either shooting people they didn't like or stopping robberies, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's a good story. Your gran was oblivious to all. Oh, yeah, she on. was fast asleep all the time. Just woke up to find mushrooms for breakfast, which I don't think she liked very much. Music time then, um, think about this for a minute.
happily ever after. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yes, I love the New Orleans jazzy bit in there. I think that's a very nice touch. Bit of um, bit of frightness in there as well. I heard. Yeah, well done. Thanks. I mean, what I find was difficult was keeping the that consistency of the New Orleans sound and then introducing this sense of fear, foreboding. Yeah. Did you get the sense of nighttime? Now that you come to mention it, yes, the twinkly bits in there. In fact, that was interesting because when you were playing it, I thought, oh, I should have given more colour to the story by describing how it was one of those hot, misty, humid New Orleans night stroke early mornings. But I didn't really think about that in the story. You put it in. Interesting. So if I was to improve that piece of music, would you say I missed anything? You missed the V8. Missed the V8. So for the listeners who don't know what a V8 is, it's an eight-cylinder piston engine that powers things like trucks, boats, and planes. If you were to sing a rhythm of a V8, so what kind of rhythm do It's a sort of... made me think of having a car with or whatever with a v8 driving across those long american straight roads in the desert and it's just that rhythm going all the time the revs don't change a lot once you've got them up at speed so you just sit there all day doing that when the engines are quite interesting musically too because you have different kinds of engines and you have different rhythms talking about syncopated rhythm the old ships engines do that big three-cylinder engines because there's three cylinders, because it's a slightly different rhythm, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's blowing off every third cycle or something. What came first, the music or the engine? Yeah, I mean, a lot of blues music's got that, like a train kind of rhythm to it. If I was to improvise a piece of music for a ship's engine, like an old one, you could go... listen to that all day except I might fall asleep because that's what happens to me on boats with those sorts of rhythms you tell for telling me another story then another story yes okay it's about the time when I wanted to catch a bus from Madras as it was called then to this place called Mahabalipuram if you've ever caught a bus in India you will know that it is a difficult process to get in on the bus and get a seat because of the number of people trying to get onto the bus and the fact they're very used to it and they've got very sharp elbows and are able to get all the seats. Anyway, so I went to the bus station expecting to have all this big fight and there was a bus going to where I wanted to go and it was sitting there and the door was open and the windows were open. They didn't have any glass in them anyway and it was empty. There was nobody sitting on it. And so I thought, oh, goodness gracious, this is my lucky day. And so I went across and I sat in the bus and I found a nice seat. 
And I thought that was rather good. And then as I sat there, I noticed all these people who were standing under a big mango tree, I think it was, who were just looking at me. And I was thinking, well, why are they looking at me? Then a moment later, the sun came out from behind this building, which was just the bus stop, and hit the bus. And it started to get like a sauna in there got hotter and hotter and hotter and I could feel the sweat running down my back and, and I could see all these people looking at me and I knew that if I got up and went to stand in the shade I would lose my seat so I stayed on in there and they were looking at me and then I could see the bus driver and he was playing a game of drafts for somebody they started to have another game and I'm going oh my god how much longer can I hold on to this seat see the bus driver going, and he lights a cigarette and I'm going, oh no, 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 smoke the cigarette. Then he starts having this argument with someone and I go, no, no, no. And then he throws a cigarette away and he stands up and starts heading towards the bus. And at that point, the whole stampede of people and luggage and goats and everything else that was coming on the bus happened. And as soon as they started coming to the bus, it just moved the air a little bit and everything became bearable again and then of course when the bus moved all the open windows it was absolutely fine but it was a moment there I thought I'm going to have to abandon my seat because I can't stick it any longer so that's the story so what was Madras bus station like this one was just a big area of ground with dusty hard-baked mud and lots of buses not like all bus stations busy with people going backwards and forwards yeah, all right. Music time then.
doors and that. <laughs> I imagined it as uh, the trinkly bits as a sweat running down my back. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the sort of stampede for the bus was quite dramatic in real life. I don't know if you captured that. Mm. Perhaps I should have been more explicit about how, because people just absolutely scramble for the bus and it's tooth and nail. And then the tension rising with the game and the cigarettes and then everyone just waiting at the starting line. And yeah, no, very good. And then also you did give it a bit of an Indian musical tent, I thought. That was very clever. All right, do you have an, another story then? One time when we were in Western Samoa, traveling on the road, and there were these guys selling pickled sea slugs. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what a pickled sea slug tastes like. And they were very keen for me to buy one. So I did. And I ate some of it. For the first time in my life, I was reminded of the time I was a kid in Nigeria. I must have been really young. Because at the time when you don't think, you see something and you think, oh, I wonder what that tastes like. And the thing that I had chosen to try out as a two-year-old or was a piece of rubber. But I don't know if you come across this, when rubber is, begins to decompose, it starts bubbling up. And this rubber had gone a bit red. So I think that's all part of the decomposition. Maybe old mold or fashioned rubber in a hotter climate did that. And I ate a piece of this bit of rubber tire or something. And I didn't really like it very much. And then eating the sea slug was exactly the same taste and consistency as the old rubber. And so that was a bit of a memory flashback. I didn't eat very much of it, actually. I think it's an acquired taste. So it's an interesting idea to take tastes and texture and turn them into music. What does pickled sea slug sound like? Yeah. If we describe eating one, you've got this rubbery texture that breaks apart. So there's slightly acidic. It wasn't acidic. They were more likely in salt brine, which is a sort of pickling, but it wasn't vinegar. It's a strong taste as well. Very pungent. Roquefort cheese that's been rubberized and then starts to crumble. It's been smoked for a long time. That's all right. Oh, get you some. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, so I'm going to attempt to yeah, play a piece of music which is, reflects this taste somehow. Tell you what, we'll play the hot and cold game. So I'm, I'm going to start playing. And then you can tell me how close I am to this experience. Okay. So hot's close? Yeah. All right. More discordant. More discordant? Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it, it's it's the all right. The sequence is that it's a shock, but it's sort of interesting, and then it's overwhelming, and then you spit it out. It's like. Mm, um, um, 
that, that was great, apart from the end. It's once you've chewed on it and you've got this rubbery sort of stuff in your mouth that doesn't come out all at once. It's going oh, to be a real... Yeah, you split it out, but of course the taste kind of lingers. I'll have to find some pickled sea slug and then you can chew on it and see what you think. Yeah. What did you get out of this podcast? Oh, I thought that was very interesting. That discussion around how you describe food and turn that into music or the engines, and the fact that you interpreted things in the story that I hadn't actually said, that because of the music, I remembered as being part of the story. So things like the sweat trickling down my back, I didn't particularly remember that in the story, but because you'd put something like that into the music, I did, or the mushroom-picking elements of that that I hadn't thought about, like the atmosphere of early morning New Orleans in terms of the humidity and so on. Yeah, so I was making that up, just adding bits of atmosphere, which are just a guesses, really. Yeah. But, um, All right. Well, uh, thanks very much, Dad. It's been very insightful. It's a pleasure. So do I get my fee now or do I have to invoice? Just invoice it. Okay. All right. Thank you. It takes about a year. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week for another episode of ImproPod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>